Joanna, do you ever wish you could definitively prove that you had the right opinions about movies? Uh, yeah, Neil, because I do have the right opinions about movies and television. Right, Dave? No, because I'm more right about those things, and I demand trial by content. Oh boy, what is trial by content? Each week, we'll take on a huge question. Each of us will bring a choice, and combined with listener submissions and your votes, we will come to a decision. It's trial by content every Tuesday on Spotify, TheRinger.com, or wherever you're listening right now. Don't let Neil win. Don't let Dave win. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like me and my wife, the, the beloved sports gal, you're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear, especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA. I make calls. I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it you can work out in it. You can go outside. You can go shopping down in your local wherever. And you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viori.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I.com slash Simmons. Listeners, welcome. This is Sound Only. I'm Justin Chair. And I'm Mike Peters. We're your Sound Only co-hosts. Here to record our deepest, darkest thoughts about season three of Atlanta. And also, well, you know, the first, you know, we're up to season four going on five. And then also Moon Knight. If it's T-Do 35, make that zip go take a bat. Yeah, it's like, okay. So the thing is that, like, I ordinarily I would, you know, be in that sort of mood for Atlanta. Yeah, but it's much more would. subdued this time around, you know? It's, you see how I just sort of had to, like, I had to trickle in the OJ the Juice you, Man from, like, a It was a, good, from, though. From you did it with, off, like, a... And then it came to the middle distance. It was to how you did it was was very nice really it was a nice accent on the episode you know what i mean on the that was like you know when they when they stretch oj the juice man in a movie trailer into something <laughs> a little more creepy for like a for for the fifth oh jordan no <laughs> stop stop this and i'm mad you brought up jordan peele because we're talking about no, <laughs> we're talking, we're about, talking this. about jordan, this is like, jordan this peele's is, episode i I really do uh, this, man. This is like we're, we're, we're yes, we're coming back around, back on track to talking about the anthologification of Atlanta. Yeah, like okay, when we write articles right for the website, it's like you got to think of a headline, you got to think of what's the lead of yeah. your article, what's the first part, you got to think of the deck, which is the thing that goes behind, you know below the headline that's that that sort of teases out the headline, and my deck for this episode is: Did Jordan Peele ruin Atlanta? Um, 
<laughs> this motherfucking cross dimension. Uh, it does everything need to be a universe. Um, uh, my here's the thing. I have to open this episode apologizing to Micah because when we when did we talk about it was sort of like you were teasing you had seen the screeners and I hadn't right for the first couple I'd, episodes. I'd, I'd watched the screeners before like the the, the premiere of the new of right. season three. Uh, and I had been expressing a, honestly a tempered version of what I was actually feeling watching those right. episodes. Restate what it was. And what were you, you were saying? Like, I was, I was saying that, damn, like Atlanta might have jumped the shark. Like, not in so few words, but now you're beginning to get the whole thing i was talking about I, sh I for sure didn't state it like you know as concise as i can do it now which is that like the formlessness of the show is beginning to like argue against its own yeah, okay existence. so but here's like, the thing you sounded in that conversation you sounded a little bummed out and then i was like you know i sometimes spy on mike micah's twitter and i was like you know micah feeling a little restless about atlanta i understand you know it might just be that you and i we live in this, we live in the criticism take industrial complex. Maybe we're just exhausted. Maybe this isn't even Donald Glover's fault. You know what I mean? Maybe inevitably, you know, people who make great art in the current environment where everything is content become victims of circumstance. And it's just, you got to, even if you're making the best show on television, you got to make it in the context. You're competing with a billion other new shows that launch you know, in the same month that you came back from hiatus, right? And I'm thinking, like, maybe Mike is being a, a little... Right, off. I mean, like, that was what is Israel uh, Darabola wrote about, like, the show, the season three premiere, mm -hmm. the dual episode premiere for the site, um, in addition to the thing that I wrote. And I actually like the way that he put it, which is that, like, Atlanta sort of was revolutionary quote unquote by tv in 2016 standards and then like sort of opened up like the lane for this sort of like show where nothing happens but make it prestige thing and there was like there there were a lot of shows that followed in its wake that I mean, you know, it doesn't feel right to say in its wake that just sort of like came through at the same time, right? Developed their own sensibilities that, you know, were maybe more thought out or developed than Atlanta's was. Uh, you know, like maybe things that reveal in retrospect that the show primarily had balls. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, oh. but but like this is the like if you have to everybody everybody listening to this right think back to what else you were watching in 2016 like what well, I was watching the Get Down and probably what the last season of Daredevil you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> like I'm trying <laughs> to accomplish <laughs> good you season of Daredevil back. have spoken ill of me in front of Vanessa I'm gonna kill you. <laughs> <laughs> iconic show to this we day. cannot let a mention yeah. of of daredevil pass without shouting out vincent donfrio who put when up I was like 12. you know a randy moss three catches 169 yards and four touchdowns type of performance in this motherfucker yeah. you got to go back and watch Yo, that daredevil, again if you have it in a, in a while <laughs> we got to recap series by daredevil um anyway anyway but that was that's 2016 television 
Atlanta comes along, crushes the buildings, right? And I, you know, it was basically mm-hmm. that like the show is so what it is that even though I know 99, you know, times out of a hundred, you know, you and I come on this podcast, we might agree about something, we might disagree about something, but because we're both haters, most of the time I'm just like, oh, Mike is talking about some shit. Oh, I haven't seen it yet. He probably right. But this time I was like, you know, that's the thing. The, it, the goodwill Atlanta has, I was sitting there like, nah, it can't be that bad. It can't, he like, just he like, it's just like you were sitting bad. there thinking like, you know, he must have came outside to a park and took it on his car, <laughs> you know, like he burnt the toast three times in a row this morning or something like, you know, it just can't, you can't get the right temperature in his apartment. Something must be up, right? Yeah. No, I wasn't bugging. Like, and now that I, so I'm caught up to the episodes that are publicly available. I'm on, I'm I finished season, uh, episode four, right? And I feel like I'm even more radicalized against the show than you. I feel like this show in season three is like an entire, I feel like I'm watching Lovecraft Country. Like, what happened? What is happening on this show? I feel okay. like I'm watching an entirely so, different right. show. I'm watching them. Like, so I've got, a like I mean like I was texting with uh Allison with Allison Herbert about yeah. like you know my frustration slash anxiety about like season three like I'm just like am I missing something like body body blah, blah, blah and it's just kind of like you know what the problem is is that like you know everybody involved is rich now they're all <laughs> they've all been on Marvel and Star Wars projects. They and we did, love that like, for them. I mean, and our else, and that's great. Henry, like, that's wonderful. It. I, I, I'm like, listen, I Cut saw you on Broadway my sophomore year of college as General Butt Fucking Naked in the Book of Mormon. The I am happy for you, brother. But at the same time, like, you know, that's something that changes like the sensibility of Atlanta as a show. For one, like, they got to shoot it like a BBC thing. Like where, you know, <laughs> they do. That oh, is what it is. <laughs> Idris Elba. Yeah, it's just like, oh, Idris Elba Ian. is in, in <laughs> South London for the next three weeks. Yeah. yeah. So let's make yeah. it wear a trench coat and, and run around saying, Ian, 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 Ian. Ian. If, if you've heard, oh, I will kill I'll you. Kill yeah, Ian. like for the next. For, yeah. And then you get three episodes that like, you know, kind of have the same plot line and he develops a love interest that just doesn't show up again. In the next two-parter, which is, uh, you know, Luther part five. And it's like not actually a season, but they like the, the, this, the, 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 the designations of part and series and season are so interchangeable, like in like British television that like, it's sort of like, I, that was, that was like the thing that made this season of Atlanta make sense for me from episode one, where uh, Ern is coming from like Budapest or something and coming to Amsterdam and is arriving for like 17 minutes of the 26 minutes of the show. And uh, Vanadarius are like, you know, on their adventure the whole time. And uh, Al is in jail. Like, it's probably because all of the actors legitimately could not be on set at the same time. And so like, it's you two and here and Mariah are going to be on this location for this, for this part. And 
so on and so forth, and we'll just make it coalesce. So that's probably one reason behind like the anthologification of like Atlanta. But like, aside from the constraints within which they were making this season of and the final season three and four of the show. Like it's not fun to watch, bro. Like it's not like a good time. I'm not, it's I, not like it's time. just a, to to for it to for it to come back in its premiere after a four year hiatus to then use a forty whatever minute block to deadpan some calcified white jokes from you know a decade ago. Like, I mean, it's just kind of like, oh, white people don't use washcloths is like one of the one of four revelations in the episode. It's just like, and is this supposed to be like a document, a document of this moment in time or what the fuck sort of, you know, what what page of the street archivist book is this? You know, I like it's I don't understand what the point of it was. Well, actually, I don't know who it was for. Your your critiques though. I want to I want to I want to do some sorting real quick because you you have two critiques that are bleeding into each other. The first one you made right is about the circumstance of the creation of the show, right? And it's like you got these actors; they get more work right. now. People busy. You have these structural issues, right? And that part is cool, and it's cool also because like Atlanta season one and two, like it's not anthologified like it is now, but like there's a sense in. There's like some I structural mean, like there was kind of a pattern in those of, seasons that allow yeah, that give the show a sense of episode like episode seven. We're right. just gonna make a we're just right. gonna do skits or episode seven. We're just gonna right. make a horror film or you know we're gonna do a it's gonna be eleven minutes before you see a title card this time or yeah. whatever. Like the show has always done weird yeah. shit like that, but. Who wants a viewing experience where they have no idea what to expect well, every and, week? Mm. Like as as that as that not being as that not being the initial premise of the show. If I wanted Twilight Zone, I would fucking watch Twilight right. Zone. Uh I mean, like if I wanted to watch Robin Big, I would do that. I just like it's I don't know what the like what the show is aiming at. Well, anymore. it's funny that you say that too, because I was like reading comments on maybe like an A B club right up, right? of uh the first episode three slaps and it's sort of there's so many of the comments are in the spirit of saying like jordan peele's twilight zone this is how it's done black mirror you should look at atlanta because this is how it's done and i again i read that stuff and i'm like dog if i wanted to watch black if i wanted to watch like them again i would just watch them like the, the thing is your points about the structure i get to me the thing is is more about in season three of atlanta the sensibility right like with this first episode three slaps um it's like based on the real life event right of like the white lesbian couple with the black kids murder suicide tragic right and the whole episode is kind of right. like you know that like atlanta magical realism repurposing of that story but not really using it for well, no, anything but, but like but i mean like using it's it for the worst thing right which is what you said which is what if we just do a bunch of like black twitter bot jokes about white people don't use washcloths like that's the entire episode and it's like it's so bizarre because like the tone of the episode is so dark like you're you're opening the season with this like like the bit like the the biggest laugh you get in that like the biggest and actually the only laugh i get where i was just like 
it was like when they had the they were leading the kid off like the the cop like uh says like hey wait a minute like something's wrong when the when the lesbian couple's leading the kid off with the with the with the hanging chad on him and the fedora cop goes you know what with that hat that kid looks just like aloe black that was the only laugh i got yeah. the entire episode yeah. But it's like all the if in again, it's sort of weird, right? Because it's like Atlanta's this show where you don't want to come to it uptight. So it's to me, it's not about like, oh, well, the episode it just didn't make me laugh. Yeah, it's not like uh, like it's not about like you. There is no, I, you know what? It's like it's like this. It's like there's sort of a point in the Gerard in the recent Gerard Carmichael special where it devolves like the joke structure that like attends the first 35 minutes or so of the special devolves in the latter part to like a kind of open therapy session where he's just kind of working some stuff out while sitting in this small bar in New York or whatever around his sexuality, around his relationship with his family, et cetera. And it gets like a, like, well, for, for me, like almost a little frustratingly raw at the end. Like, because there's sort of, even as he presents this sort of old picture of like, you know, black masculinity and how you, you know, perform that as like uh, a now openly gay man, whatever. And then having like things that are like, you know, wrongheaded, but then coming and having a flip at the end of it where, you know, like, oh yeah, is it right? This is what this is supposed to mean. That's like sort of like how you wanna you want Atlanta to be confident of where it's going. I don't necessarily need to be laughing the whole time or whatever, but I want there to be I want to feel like there's something at the end of this tunnel or whatever. Like, you know, like if I'm going to hold on and brace through this, you know, wild ass ride you're taking me on, I want to know that I'm going somewhere interesting. Like not arriving at, uh, hey, Thelma and Louise and also uh, the dog's name is Corn Pop. Yeah, like, yeah. I, and like also white people treat dogs better than they treat people. Like. I don't, it's it's again. It's not even about any one joke. It's not about trying to like pick apart the sense of humor of the show. It's just like these are all jokes you've heard. You don't want something quippy or yeah. jokey either. Like that's not that's not what you want. Either. Like it's just sort of there can like there can be quips because it's not quippy. But like the quips need to have been. If you're only gonna get a couple of them in an episode, they need to be well thought out. They also just need to be quips that don't feel like they could have been written by like a person with 10 followers on Twitter. Like that's that's kind of the problem yeah. I have with the season overall. And it's like even when you get to Sinterklaas, right, and, and you get back to earn Paperboy, you know, Van Darius, right? Like it's the I don't know. There's a flatness to it now. There's a flatness to the show. I think it has a lot to do with the fact that you've you've dragged these characters away from Atlanta, right? Maybe some of it has to do with kind of the structure, maybe the way the show comes together now. It's just different, and and that's just being reflected in what we're seeing and what we're hearing from the characters. But, like, 
there's a kind for a show that I think really hooked a lot of people in the beginning for the fact that it it had this really consistently wicked sense of humor and not always ha ha humor, but this wicked again, it had charm. It had a wicked charm. It didn't always make you laugh, but it, it always made you kind of feel something and always was trying to get under your skin one way or another. And I don't even feel like yeah. I don't feel like this episode is trying. And it's sort of the closest it gets to trying is with the two episodes that aren't about, you know, the core cast at all. And it's like the most recent one is the big payback, which is this this, this like big reparations allegory. Right. And it just feels like. Again, the way you, you'll see people write about it and talk about it, certainly critics, you know, it's it's sort of framed as like this big, bold, like daring, making white people uncomfortable. But you watch it and it's just like, why did a nine-year-old Tanahasi Coates blog like come to life in, in the form of a TV episode that feels like, uh, you know what I mean? I don't know. It doesn't really, it would be one thing. I mean, I, the best thing I'll say for the reparations episode is that it doesn't feel like it's, there's ambiguity to it, right? Like the way that reparations plays out in this episode is so kind of distasteful and kind of obviously not ideal by the end of the episode that there's inter there's room for interpretation about how you're supposed to feel about the events of the episode and also room for how you're supposed to feel about, you know, yeah, man, all these scenes where white people are sort of talking to each other in this really cynical way where they're throwing each other under the bus about race, right? Like there's something there's, there's hints towards sophistication in the episode, but I think overall the thing just kind of feels like somebody writing a really sort of easy think piece for the root and just being like, this is an episode of television. Have fun. I don't know. It just, it feels easy. Yeah. And, you know, classroom prayer. It's just very like, <laughs> you know, Rick Rufus and like the late 2000s with the big shitty obvious rock samples and people being like, oh, Eminem, Platinum Record. But like, it's it's like, you know, that's not what made you. That's It's like, you know, the same thing that made you, you but it doesn't work now because it's the same motherfucking thing. There's no like new, like it's just more and longer, not necessarily yeah. better or newer. And that's the thing. You don't want to just, you don't want to just come to it with an attitude of like, well, Dave Chappelle already did a whole sketch about reparations. So it's too late. Not as like it has else. nothing that's to not do with that. It's just it's like, it's that. really, it's, it's, it's really like that. Like, you know, <laughs> You everybody has the sort the same sort of like you know knee jerk reaction to this is an untouchable topic or this is a you know yeah. like you should never you know wrap over between the sheets or whatever <laughs> and like there's it's it's like nobody gives a fuck as long as you make the shit hot that's it yeah. like it's like the, the the thing is is that if you give me a reparations episode uh, with Riley from National Treasure. And uh, it's <laughs> like not really anything more. Yeah, I like it's like it's really oh, like not man. any more imaginative than like you said, a blog post that came out 10 years ago and adds nothing, no new perspective to it, really. Or even dimension. No it's new not, twist, yeah, it's just no like, new. Yeah, or dimension. dimension. Right. Or yeah, it's just like. 
I, yeah, it's just like I'm bored. Like it's boring. It's boring. It's the, which is the greatest sin of all. Episode three is good. I will say that the old man of the tree is like the only episode of the four that have aired so far that felt like a proper character driven, like in, in not even about the fact that it has the characters in it. Cause obviously two of the four episodes don't, but it's that has the humor and has the sense of purpose and the sense of getting under your skin and, and unnerving you of a, of a traditional episode of Atlanta. And the other ones do feel to me kind of like, I mean, they feel like think pieces. I'm saying this is like a person who writes think pieces, right? Like they feel too, and again, I think what feels frustrating about it too, is that if you follow Donald Glover over the years, like, you know, you know, he has some, some fire in him. Like, you know, he has some dissents in him about some shit. And it feels like there are so many hedges specifically in the reparations episode, the big payback, where it's like he's trying to leave. Like there's a version of that episode that maybe would feel like it was more challenging to more sub factions of people. But it's almost like all the rough edges that could have existed on that episode got sanded off so people wouldn't get mad at him or something. Like, I don't know. You the, the you brought up that interview magazine piece. If we want to just sort of explain what that even is to listeners real quick. Like he interviewed himself <laughs> for interview. Yeah, he inter- he interviewed himself. He interviewed himself. It was weird. There were some there were there were there were some very nice photos and some ones that were strange. Uh, that, you know, we will look back on in time, probably in the, in the fullness of time. With uh, some sort of new clarity, whatever. But at the same time, there's nothing in the interview that's that's like worth exploring. Well, well really. I, okay, you like I read the interview, and I feel like relative to lots of other people, I saw commenting on it. Like I thought it was entertaining enough. I, I mostly feel frustration with the sense of like. I mean, but no, 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 no. This is like, I, no, like it's okay. like no. I'm not like I won't even like I refuse to even engage with it because of because this is like the entire problem with the like with what's going on with Atlanta at the moment like it's just sort of totally insular not in conversation with anything at all it exists for Donald by Donald and like it's not really it doesn't at like I said it's just like it's his thing at South by Southwest after saying like you know this is going to be as good as Sopranos mm-hmm. it's just like what was the writing process of this we sat around a hotel somewhere in Eastern Europe and pitched around stories and like, you know, the premise for this season was like, what are some good short stories that I would want to mm-hmm. hear? Like, or that I would want to see on television. And that's what the fuck we got. It's just that none of those stories are really interesting to me. The person that's watching it or consuming it. I, I, I almost like, don't believe they're interesting and, to him. That's the thing. Like, does he, it's, it's so hard. It's like, I, no, listen, if it, if it is, or if yeah. it isn't or whatever the position, like, it's like, I don't care. I don't care how you slice it. Uh, like Donald Glover interviewed by Donald Glover for Interview Magazine is annoying as fuck. <laughs> I, like it's that's just what it is. <laughs> like I like I mean, yeah, you know it. I know it. You could just say it. Like there is. It's it's like there's. You didn't like. There's fundamentally nothing that you can learn from something like that because nothing is being interrogated. What's being shared is what is is what he wants to is what he wants to reveal, 
and that is that doesn't help anybody. No, but I that doesn't help bring any sort of. A, I think that interview though is of a piece of what you were we were talking about it, like his Twitter and like his like weird confrontational Twitter persona now, right? And to me, those yeah, are of a yes. piece in the sense, right, of like Donald Glover has this problem where he is is like a very clearly passive aggressive person who has mistaken himself for an aggressive aggressive person, right? And like that, inter like that interview mag, like you sort of read that and he's trying to do, he's trying to be like, yo, I know I'm interviewing myself, but I'm going to ask myself the tough questions. But then the annoying thing about the interview is all the places where he gives himself an escape hatch, right? And it's like, it's because he's like, exactly is, all <laughs> and it's, it's just like, and I, I stuffed it. And that's like, you would have missed that if it was somebody else interviewing him and, you know, throwing up some fluff shit about like this new season of Atlanta for like in Vanity Fair, if some ever somebody else, uh, you know, literally, <laughs> I don't know. Like, it's just like, it's, it's something that you, it's those things that you might not have noticed or would not have been so glaring if it wasn't, he interviewed himself and then gave himself an escape match right. around all these. But what makes that frustrating places? Right. Yeah. And it's like, it's annoying because it's like all of his sort of Twitter posturing about like wanting the smoke from critics. It's like, dude, if you really wanted smoke, like you wouldn't interview yourself. You'd let Jamila Lamo interview invited... you. You let Jamila Lamo interview yeah. you and you would like, you, you would, you would go there. Right. And I think the thing with, I don't know, mm -hmm. it's sort of the issue. Like, I feel like a lot of people reading that interview mag piece, seized on the part of him talking about black women. And to me, I was like more, I felt like the more, the most revealing part in that interview is the part where he tries for a solid paragraph. It's maybe even a few sentences because he really skates where he tries to pretend that like, I'm trying to remember the exact phrasing. It's him being like, I think writing is about um, chronicling a world, the world around you and the internet isn't my world. And it's just like, you know, he's, he's doing the thing where he's like pretending he's not extremely online or that he's sort of like above the kind of place where most of the criticism or most of even just the general discussion of Atlanta comes from. But like, it's impossible to read, you know, it's, it's impossible to watch like the reparations episode or the three slaps and not see, like, it's the most Twitter brained writing of TV. Like, you can't fake the funk with me. Like, I'm watching this shit, and this shit reads, like, Twitter-level thinking and creativity about reparations or about, ooh, what if woke white lesbians with black kids, like, based on... You know what I mean? It's like, it's like sentient Twitter wrote these episodes of TV, and you have to be subjected to the creator of this show acting like he's never been online. It's just like, what is this? This is false. Yeah, I like it is, this is misleading. Like, I, it's just the it's just sort of like a, the limits of something being made out of spite. It feels like or we're kind of like seeing that. Also, like yeah, it's like the 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 weird sort of like antagonistic thing that he does like is I guess at odds with what the initial vision of the show was. Which is what? Um, In your estimation is what? I felt like it was sort of meant to be like, oh, you know what? Actually, I was about to stumble because I don't even need to say what I think 
I, the the initial aim of the show was because he said what the initial aim of the show was, which is like, I want to show white people you don't know everything about yeah. white people. Okay. Like, and that is the we're seeing the limits of that, I guess. Like in this new season, like you like if if you stop at like this is like, you know very react reactive to white gazy stuff that like is going on like you know and i think it's kind of it feels less grounded because yeah we're outside of atlanta like the characters aren't together we're meeting a bunch of new people every week so it stands out even more yeah it also seems like this season it seems frankly less interested in black character like it feels like this season in a, in a lot of ways to me feels like it's trying to turn the tables and now be a show about white people under this critical lens like it opening with three slaps and the guys on the boat talking about the ghost story and it's just like these two sort of middle age like one black guy one white guy and it's like they're having this conversation that feels like like your whole reaction watching it is like, did they write this entire season in, during the summer of 2020 or something at a protest? Like, why are they I, talking like, like this like Robin D'Angelo shit? Yeah. Like, it was just like, that was happening. And I think I was texting you like as I was watching it. And I was just kind of like, you know what? I'm not Googling any of this shit. <laughs> That's what I was feeling the entire time I was watching this episode. After I published the story that I wrote about the first episode and the second episode. And I'm telling you this now because it doesn't matter to me as a, like as a TV critic that I did not know that it was based on an, that it was based on a real okay. story. Like, it was just like, I like, listen, as an, as the episode of television that was presented to me, do not fucking give me homework. Show me something that I actually want to watch. Like, I mean, like it's, it's time out for all this, let me look in the corner of the frame on the fishing pole and find out that this charm on it was from this tribe and this whatever, and it means this. And if you speed up the song, it says, get out now, and so on and so forth. It's just like, what I'm watching right now is annoying. This conversation <laughs> is annoying. Yeah, it's like, there's something kind of person. And like, look. It's, it is wildly expositional. I, and I, I definitely like, get there are people who, like, like again, and this is inevitable with this podcast where we're haters all the time, Plenty of things like we're just going to disagree with the viewer about something. I do think that there are certain kinds of art, whether it's like middle brow rap or middle brow TV, where people there's a certain kind of fan that thinks that they can use fan fiction to like save their shit. <laughs> they can use fan fiction to rationalize anything about yeah. a thing. And it's I just like it's can. absolutely flipping the ire from that back onto the episode is what's happening right now, because it's just like I'm not prepared to 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 be in an arena with people that are just going to keep pushing the goalposts yeah on some shit that did not slap you know like it's just like you're doing all this equivocating and all these backflips and all this explaining and all this research like to again explain a joke about white people treat their dogs better than they treat humans like is i again i don't care it's just it that I just think specifically three again like uh, I I knew going in that it was based off of the the murder suicide from however many years ago right but like again what is that nothing about that really feels like it 
makes the episode make sense. I don't know. Because again, all of my objections to the episode are really about the tone and about, again, the hackiness of the writing. Like, why, why is, like, set aside, you know, me trying to tone police whether, like, there was a right balance of humor with the severity of, like, the actual drama of the episode. And it's just like, why is every single line of writing in that episode feel like it was ripped from a death comedy jam special from 1997. Why? Like, Donald Glover is literally a stand-up comedian. Like, what the fuck is happening on this show, dog? Like, and, and even then, it's like Atlanta's the kind of show where because of the levels in which it operates, because it is weird, because it is sometimes like rewards, maybe a second viewing or maybe looking at it from a different angle. I was sitting there being like, okay, this show... Maybe like, in, unlike any other show, maybe this show, there's a there's a reason why the writing is bad. Like I was sitting there in the position okay, of that needs fan. To be a, I was no, trying to rationalize. It was like, really? Like you need to be, like there needs to be a make weight. There needs to be something there. Like that's too much referential shit is like, is, is giving me five minutes where in a serialized show where I don't see any of the characters and you're just talking on a fishing boat and I'd like it's just like there's it's a static blast of references that I just I'm not catching any of those. I'm just like I'm literally going to let them wash over me. <laughs> but it's also look, we're in season three of this show. You and I were down for season yeah. one. We were down for season two. And seasons one and two of Atlanta also do that stuff. They also do that layered, textured, pay attention, blink and you'll miss it. Those episodes also, those seasons also do that stuff. But the stuff that makes that stuff rewarding is that, uh, you know, it's like the episodes that they're embedded in, like they're a solid foundation for all of that, right? They're a solid foundation. They're, they're good at what they are, either dramatically or comedically or both, right? And it's sort of like, I don't know, season three so far feels like, what if you like vastly weakened the substance of the episodes and tried to make the show limp along on the strength of all those accoutrements and Easter eggs and, and shit. Like, and that is not fire to me. <laughs> that That is very not fire. In my that sophisticated is, it's, it's critical pronouncement, it's not and, fire. <laughs> that shit is not, it's, it's not what it, it's just not, it's not doing it for me. And it's worsened by Donald Glover now running around like the Riddler. <laughs> the Riddler on Twitch. With the, yeah. On his Paul Dano. Man. Talking about NFTs. Like, there's just, I like, I don't really... Yeah, man. Uh, I'm just bored of the whole thing right now. Episode three is good. You know? I, I think and it's so, good. In so much that it matters. Like, you know, it's 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 gonna... Like, again, Atlanta is one of those things now that's going to be happening whether you participate or not. Like, but it's now the kind of show that is you know, kind of in on its own jokes, like high on its own press, whatever you want to call it to the point where like, even we were talking about the slap thing. And I don't think I mentioned this in the episode, the Will Smith slap one. Um, 
I think that there was just sort of like amongst the hoopla of everybody being like, why you ain't press Tupac like that? You know, like all that Chris Rock had to say was just like, you know, did you see how he marched up here? I'll see you next August, Will, or something. <laughs> yeah, Whatever yeah. the fuck the jokes that people yeah, were making. Like <laughs> Donald Glover pops up in all lowercase letters and goes, fine, we'll make one more episode. Because they'd already announced that. Now, the, the frame of reference for that is that you would have to know that Atlanta, the current season of Atlanta is part of a right. two-part final right. season and that this is technically the final season, but also the third season that the final season is coming and that will be the last season of Atlanta and that this is the kind of thing that the show would comment on and that this is like, you know, like the, like, it's just sort of like, you know, Hey, parting the chaos to say, we'll do one more episode fine to explain what's going on, you know, right now to who is like, really like the tone of that tweet was just like kind of the thing that we were describing of like, why was it that Dave Chappelle addressed the nation before the president elect? <laughs> like, <laughs> it's just like, why is Donald Glover supposed to be the person that we're going to, to make sense of the slap? And why does he feel like that's what's happening? Like you better get in on these jokes with everybody else. <laughs> um, I wait. I, I need to. Okay, I want to bring up to drive this home a bit. One more thing from the interview mag piece that you don't want to talk about, which is the line where he and his interviewer, so himself, kind of joke about like, is Atlanta in season three still for niggas? And it's just like, oh, really? Like enjoyed like the, how often he made himself laugh during that. Interview. Yeah, and it's just really, and it's just like. I don't know. It's especially episodes one and four, right? So three slaps about um, the Hart family murder suicide, and then the reparations episode, the big payback. It's sort of like I don't know. It's sort of the ways in which these episodes are supposed to be like this is turning a critical eye to white liberals, which is great. I, you know, I love the boondocks. Like we could talk all day. Like we've talked. We had two episodes. We did an episode. We talked about Black Lagoon. We did an episode, I think it was our 100th episode, we did. We talked about Rush Hour 2. And in both those episodes, we talked about how, like, look, I love race comedy. No standards of, like, sensitivity or anything like that are going to sort of spoil my appetite for race comedy and race satire. I'm, I'm here for it. I'm here for race comedy. I'm here for race satire. But it's just like, I don't know, man. Like, it's not even, it's, it's, it's not even, to, like, we can't even say... We can't even like if it, like in that in that where it's just like talking about how it's like if we're scoring it in term like it's like you know an ice skating routine like you can't take off points for like you know form or execution really but I mean like you know but you're out here you know skating till Claire de Lune and not really doing any jumps you know like there's not like there's nothing. Like, it's like, it's cool, it's safe, it's like, it's, you know, you got to the end of the run, you know, without without falling down, but, like, I don't remember any of it. But it's also, like, everything he's saying in the episode feels like, dog, you're only making an episode saying this because you know other people have said this before you for the past, like, eight years. Like, these, ki these kinds of racial arguments, and it's also the sense, like, to my original point, right, to the question of, is the show still for niggas, it's like, Look, man, this is classic sort of, you made an episode of TV 
making white people feel guilty for feeling guilty for feeling guilty. It's just like, it's so clear to me that as much as sort of the meta pose of the episodes is like turning a critical eye to the white liberal, it's like, yeah, turning a critical eye with shit that at the end of the day, the white liberal eats up. Like, white liberals love watching TV that makes them feel guilty about slavery. <laughs> you know what I mean? Love to self-flagellate, man. You know what it is? Like... The lesbian couple in the three slaps would have fucking loved watching the three slaps. Like, that's kind of the trap when yeah, you start making TV like you go. They would have loved oh that episode. Oh my God, we they... do make our own soap. Yeah. Yeah, like, they would like... love that shit. The white dude from, yeah. from the big payback he would have been on the AV club with the A plus that dude. You know what I mean? Like that's the answer to Donald Glover's question. And that's what's so frustrating about <laughs> you it. You got me good. Yeah. You got me like, good. Like the situation oh, of like, it'd like be like, it would be like, they would be like Bradley Whitford after, yeah. get, after yes. get Out came out. They'd all be like, you know, yeah, you know, I am the whatever. Or Mads Mikkelsen in the, the, the Rihanna video. Yes, I am the bitch. <laughs> But part of that, and maybe part of that is is not even like part of that is bigger than me and Donald Glover and you. But it's still frustrating Absolutely. to watch somebody like make because again, it's a trap I think a lot of people fall into, right? In like the past decade, right? Where it's like you think you you think you saying some shit to the white liberal and all oh, you get and it's like they eat this shit up. And like you made you made the episode in a way that like you're only sort of raising these jokes and these critiques that like you know these people. You know, these people bought a copy of the Robin D'Angelo book and they've heard it a million times at this point and they get off on it. And like, what did you really do? What did you really do with these episodes? Yeah, I, yeah, I already yeah, watched yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. I already watched Lovecraft Country. We're going to stop talking about Atlanta season three until we have, um, you know, uh, what did the dude say in The Phantom Menace when he it's like they, they lose Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon and the trade minister dude is like, fuck, we fucked up. He's like, look, we got to tell Palpatine. He's like, nah, uh, we haven't found him yet. You know, nothing to report until we have something to report. We will talk about Atlanta again. We have something positive to report, I guess. If it takes a turn. Yeah. If, if you know. I don't know. Because we don't want to spend a whole season, like, dragging the show if it's just going to be like this. If this is a score now, then, like, listen, especially if listeners like it. If you like it, we don't want to shit on your parade more than once per quarter. You know, we're haters, but even we realize the limits of, you know, agree to disagree, right? Uh, at this point, we need some positive energy in this episode, which is why Micah, after a break, is going to talk about Moon Knight. Yes, I'm surprised too. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira. Confluence and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like me and my wife, the the beloved sports gal, you're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear, especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA, I make calls, I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. 
Viore clothing, a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it, you can work out in it, you can go outside, you can go shopping down in your local wherever, and you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viore.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I.com slash Simmons. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Micah, talk about Moon Knight. Let's go. Because I my expectations okay. for this show. Boy, you better say something. Go ahead, please. Sell it All to right, me. Hey, listen. So I had no expectations for this show because the Moon Knight character is this goofy, like, sort of, you know, white dude praying to the Egyptian god of the moon and putting on a white robe to run around at night beating up criminals. <laughs> like, which was kind of messy, you know? Kind of not really something great. And it's then, persona, like, basically. so, Go ahead. like, with, yeah. Okay. yeah, like, I mean, like, they go, they, they, I, the, the show was coming out on Disney Plus, and I had like li- like little to no expectations about it. I didn't even watch the trailer. And I was walking around in New York at the Strand Bookstore, happened to walk by and saw that like there was a Moon Knight comic. And realized I never actually read a Moon Knight comic okay. before. Like so, I kind of just bought the Jeff Lemire run. Um, Jeff Lemire wrote this other really good comic book called uh, Underwater Welder, um, which is about an underwater welder whose father was an underwater welder. And Underwater Welder is actually about grief. Uh, and it's actually really, really well written. And I like it a lot. You should read it at some point. But the Moon Knight run by Jeff Lemire kind of recasts the story as like this sort of... Uh, you know, it is about, you know, this grand conspiracy involving ancient Egyptian gods, which are actually um, spectral projections from for, for trans-dimensional beings across the galaxy, blah 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 um, But it's also about uh, mental health and self-acceptance. Which you know, yeah, well, like, I yeah. That no, that's gonna say. So I was, I was, gonna like, say, I was okay about mental health, but that, yeah. like, can you expound on that a bit? Just because I feel like that's a very 2022 thing to say about a piece of entertainment, and I don't know what to extrapolate. Sure, from I it. mean, like, it's like not about it's. I the thing is, it's very easy to say that something is about yeah. mental health because you have like you know difficult men behaving badly and you know like this is bipolar or personality dis- or split personality disorder or something 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 yeah. Something, yeah. something a lot of the time uh writers tend to use uh in superhero sports especially mental health sort of like you know a vat of joker acid yeah, or whatever yeah. like some sort of like transformative thing that you get one day and then and then you put on latex and try to bomb the city or whatever. 
this show sort of like goes that the, the story is sort of like the inverse. So in the comic, in the Lemire comic at least, Mark Spector, 12-year-old Jewish kid from Chicago who had parents that like were just kind of always away at work. So when he was 12, he created an imaginary friend to keep him company called Stephen Grant. One day his parents came home from work and they didn't come home to Mark. They came home to Steven and Steven would just stay for weeks at a time. Like, you know, so, and then he'd come down for breakfast one day and then, you know, it was Mark eating cereal again. And this was like something that his parents could deal with. They didn't know how to deal with it. So they take him to, you know, counseling at like, you know, the synagogue, then they recommend him to an outpatient facility. And at basically at this point when his, when he feels like he's being abandoned by his parents or by his dad in particular is when Khonshu, the Egyptian God of the moon shows up and he's just kind of like, you know, you're going to come to me pretty soon. Um, a lot of different things happen from there. Like, uh, once Mark ends up in the outpatient facility, he stays there his entire adult life. Um, he escapes, uh, during like a weekend visit to his family and becomes like a paramilitary, but you know, it's found, they find out that he lied on his paper. So he gets a dishonorable discharge. Bloody, 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 and then, and then, and then, and then, and then, he ends up somewhere in the desert in Egypt, and you know, like Khonshu comes to him, he becomes Moon Knight, the fist of Khonshu, protecting all the travelers of the night. But like the story ultimately becomes this thing where Mark can't really be sure what's real, who he is, what he's doing, and why he's doing it at any given time. In the comic, it's more like, you know, uh, the art style changes and, you know, like suddenly they're, they're, the, the time period is different. The characters are calling Mark by a different name. So you find out that he's Jake Lockley. Who's Jake Lockley? Jake Lockley is the person that can actually turn into Boon Knight. But also, all of them can obviously turn into Moon Knight, and Moon Knight's costume looks different when each of them put it on. So it's like sort of a lot of him talking to himself about his past in the comic and traveling through the cosmos, you know, to find himself. Um, and I mean, like, you know, obviously there's some kicking and punching along the way, but really like that's what I mean by it being a story about self-acceptance. It turns out that Moon Knight in this framework is a reconciliation of like all of these different versions of his personality and a representation of his will to live. So the cool thing about the way that Moon Knight is like the Disney Plus show is 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 shot is that like it's very Hitchcocky. Yeah, okay. Say more about like, this. Because I didn't glean any of this from any of the marketing for the show. Like how you've described it to me before. We yeah, got, you wouldn't, yeah. you know? Like, because I mean, all you see in the marketing for the show is Oscar Isaac, you know, turning away from a double decker bus and putting on the moon night like thing, and yeah. gliding across rooftops and doing all this other shit. But what you don't understand is that, like, really like 
it's kind of his body turning from a vessel into like, you know, him himself as some regaining control over his body over the course of the show is what it's really going to be about. So it starts with him just sort of waking up or, you know, blipping to different places in the middle of doing different things, which makes for like a really hilarious setup. Um, because Oscar Isaac starts the show with a British accent and it's so annoying that like, but it's also like kind of like he knows he, the way that he does it, I can't explain it to you. Like, it's sort of like he knows it's annoying, even like as he's doing it. <laughs> and even though that's the, the way that Mark Spector, the character talks. Yeah. And like a sort of plot device comes along that then like reflects it back to him where they're just kind of like, why are you doing, what is this weird voice you're doing? What is this accent you're using? He's just like, this is how I talk or whatever. Like, and it makes for a really good, it, it makes for like a good comedic setup where he has like this internal monologue going on between him and a more serious version for himself and this ancient God of the moon but then having to bump up against the fact of other people along the way. But when you say heavy, um, when you say the comedic set setup, can, like how heavy is the comedy? Okay, I so think it's like like I mean, like so. Have you seen North by Northwest? I haven't. No, no. Okay. Have you seen the flight attendant? Have you watched it? No. Uh, so North by Northwest, this movie from like 56 or like, you know, like, or the, the early 60s, something like, I think it's like from the early 60s, Cary Grant directed by Alfred Hitchcock, Cary Grant as like this marketing executive that gets, gets like, takes a house call to some weird sort of creepy mansion situation, like it's the sort of creepy old Hollywood arcane shit. Um, but he finds himself sort of like in this, uh, this, this, this like bit of like spy intrigue, like this, he's called by the wrong name the whole time. They're like, you didn't bring the file. He's, he doesn't know what the fuck anybody's talking about. And they're just kind of like, oh, well, we can't let you leave now, surely. And they like, you know, get him drunk, put him in a car, try to send him off the side of a cliff, but he, he makes his way back um to the city gets picked up by the cops basically gets set in this giant rashomon thing about like what this you know international conspiracy is why he's involved in it who this other person that looks exactly like him is where can he find them how can i extricate myself from the situation but just kind of tripping over rakes and his dick for like an hour and a half right <laughs> That's more or less what like that means to be like a Hitchcock, a Hitchcock hero is that you have no savoir faire and just like inviolable plot armor, <laughs> like and it's frustrating. Like it's like the character, the main character is like characterized by like this maddening hesitancy and like this really Englishness politeness. Like this kind of like mm -hmm. sort of high society. You know, old boy, whatever, whatever, and well, yes, and like I'll have, yeah, I'll I'll take mine on the rocks, kind of, you know, like I'll just participate in whatever this is. So, in order to make that work, you need a leading man that looks like Oscar Isaac but can act like Martin Freeman, like because it's the oh, same character. Okay, 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 okay. He's the same <laughs> character in the bot in the same body, but. 
he needs to be able to transform himself into a superhero right. guy and also um hunched over like you know cashier at a museum that is just right, sort of right. being swept <laughs> along in the current of things so it it, okay. it it ends up being like a lot of fun in that way um the second episode may be like i was like uh maybe i spoke a little too soon um but i mean like it's still good it's just like the 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 love interest character is like to me like the very direct representation of like the disneyfication of the plot like i don't know why she like she's not having also the actor that's that's playing this like is not like, having any fun at all like She's in a different show than everybody else. Everybody else in the show is having such a good fucking time. Like from Ethan Hawke to Oscar Isaac to whoever it is that is his manager, like at the museum, like to like the security, like all the people that work at the museum, like everybody's having such a good time in the show. And the love yeah. interest is just like, you know, impatient. Like, you know, we need to go to the next locale now. Like, you know, we need to get this MacGuffin is like really like her presence in the show. Wait, it's only two episodes. Okay, but Moon Knight's only two episodes in? Yeah, it's only two episodes in. Okay. All right. So at least I have time to catch up on Moon Knight. At this yeah. point, I'm probably more excited to watch Moon Knight. <laughs> it's good to have something I can pivot into because I might need to uh, take a week off from Atlanta or something. I don't know. Um yeah, maybe we do. Maybe we do a. Maybe we'll do a later in the season. We'll do a Moon Knight combo. Maybe, maybe, non-committal for right now. Maybe, um, maybe, maybe. I think that's all we got this week, though, right? Like, you got anything else, Micah? No, man. That's all. That's all I got, really. Um, listen, like, I've talked to other friends of mine about Atlanta so far. Um. I've seen disagreement about which episodes are good and which are bad. I've definitely seen people who kind of like don't yet like the season this much compared to the previous seasons, but aren't sort of where I'm at, where I, again, feel radicalized against it. Um, listeners, please write us your charitable takes, your critical takes anywhere in between on Atlanta season three, on Moon Knight, on Oscar Isaac's. Uh, overall performance in the Disney, the Disney <laughs> canon via Disney Marvel universe. and Star Wars at this point. Yeah, the, mm. uh, the Disney multiverse. Um, that's all I got. I'm Justin Charity. And I'm Micah Peters. Shouts out to our producer this week, Isaiah Blakely. We'll see y'all. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. 
You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.